Hasta el primero de mayo. <laughs> Welcome in is a week 18 edition of the NFL Football Kickback. I am your host, the Sam D. Come on in, pull up, tap in, hit that like button on the way in, subscribe if you haven't to the channel. Donation link is also there in the description. Oh, I had to wait a few minutes because the Seattle Seahawks almost tricked off a chance to get into the playoffs. We had to wait for them to go ahead and make a field goal. And it seemed like, you know, Jason Myers missed the kick in regulation, but he spins the block, makes the kick in overtime. So, okay, Seattle lives for a few more hours. That means that the Detroit Lions are eliminated. So now the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football win and they're in. There was a lot to get into. The 1 p.m. slate was more of the heavy slate of games in terms of playoff implications. The 4 o'clock games was more about seating and potential maneuvering and shaking. But we'll start with the 4 o'clock. What I do here is I recap the 1 p.m. and the 4 p.m. slate. Let's get right into the 4 p.m. slate. As we just talked about, the Seattle Seahawks survive. So let's pull up the screen here and let's get into this because the Rams had a chance to play spoiler. And, you know, Jalen Ramsey tried his best. Him and DK Metcalf are going back and forth the entire game. That was good to watch. And you're looking at Geno Smith here, and Geno's been kind of mid over the last few weeks. This is something where, you know, the, the Seahawks have been doing this with uh, smoke and mirrors. And, you know, Kenneth Walker has been huge with his return into the lineup, rushing the rock well. But they live and die as Geno's going to take them. And the fact that they got Tyler Lockett back and DK Metcalf back and the pass game looked to be okay, but two picks for Geno. And I don't think this team is good enough to make the playoffs. Hopefully the Packers, who are the better team and the team that's more equipped to make a playoff run, go ahead and take care of business at the crib, at the frozen tundra Lambeau Field, and be able to get that last playoff spot. But the Seattle Seahawks, if they're able to figure this out and get in with a Green Bay loss, I don't think they have a chance of advancing past the wild card round. But, you know, with Kenneth Walker, if he goes crazy and pulls a beast mode with his running ability, you never know. That defense has gotten better over the last second half of the season. Rams tricked this off. Rams could have played spoiler. McVay, um... He has unearthed Cam Akers, even though he tried to, you know, bury him and put him in the doghouse. But, you know, look, they had Baker Mayfield. This was a mid-off, if you really want to get into it, in terms of Baker Mayfield and Geno Smith. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that Seattle found a way. They made enough plays. They have enough healthy playmakers as opposed to the Rams at this point in the season. And, look, I don't think they deserve it, but we'll see what happens with the Sunday night game. But the Seattle Seahawks live for another day let's go ahead and get the updated playoff picture as it stands right now as we head into sunday night football and if you're new here this is what i do i break down all the games and make sure to hit that like on the way in be sure to tap in you can do comments i do respond so we can do a little back and forth if you want so don't be scared so we have now the minnesota vikings we have them entrenched as the two seed the Philadelphia Eagles, with their win today against the New York Giants, secure the top seed. So they get a bye. The field, the, the field now has to go through Philadelphia to get to the Super Bowl in the NFC. So the, the only thing that's still decided is that last slot. Is it going to be Seattle, who, who it currently holds, or can Green Bay sneak in there? So 
We'll see how that goes. But in terms of the 3-6, you have the 49ers and the Giants. The 4-5, you have Tampa Bay and Dallas. We spoke about this last week on the stream where I really think the way this plays out, Dallas has a chance. Now, they look like trash. They look like Basura today, but we'll see. But I think the path for Dallas isn't as bad as you would have thought a few weeks ago. So they look like trash today. We'll get there, but look, they, they were bad today. We can we can smoke on that that Cowboys pack if you want. Uh, but right now, you're looking at the 4-5 with Dallas going into Tampa Bay, the 3-6 with the 49ers and the Giants. The Giants, you know, I think they'll be one and done, but, you know, it's a cool story. And then potentially the Vikings facing either Green Bay or Seattle. If you're Minnesota, you know you'd rather face Seattle because you don't want Rodgers coming into the crib. You don't want Aaron Rodgers. You don't want Keyshawn Nixon. You don't want that Green Bay Packers defense. You don't want them coming into the crib. Aaron Jones and, and Dylan, you don't want them coming into your crib if you're the Minnesota Vikings right now. So we'll see how that goes. But Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts back, he showed you some signs that he's looking like himself again. You know, had a few weeks off, so definitely some rust there. But it remains to be seen how far this goes. So AFC-wise, before we get into recapping more of today's games, this is entrenched. This is locked in. This was locked in after the 1 o'clock slate of games. So as of 4 p.m. Eastern time, this is what you have in the AFC. You have Buffalo fresh off a huge win, an emotional win. Naheem Hines, we will get there. Two big kickoff returns at the crib. Uh, they are locked in at the 7th seed, and they will face the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins kind of backed their way in there. Ugly win today against the Jets. But they did enough to get to 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 get the home game. They 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 did enough at home to take care of the Jets to secure themselves a playoff spot, the last playoff spot. So now we have to go through the whole thing. Us is too healthy. Will Tua pull up? We don't know. Will we, we shall see. I'm sure McDaniel's was a you know closed closed mouth about that in the post game. But we we shall see. The Cincinnati Bengals lock down the three seed and they will take on the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens still with no Lamar Jackson. Harbaugh is out here kind of being wishy-washy in regards to where's Lamar? Is he close? If he had to play today, could he have played? He's been kind of tab dancing around that storyline a lot. Now he's going to have no choice but to like be transparent. Will Lamar Jackson play in this playoff game? And he's going to have about a month off. Having Lamar Jackson with a month off against the Cincinnati Bengals, what chance do you get the Baltimore Ravens? It's, it doesn't look good for them. I can tell you that right now. They damn sure don't haven't given him weapons. And if you're expecting him, I mean, if he pulled that off, then they really need to back up the bridge truck and give that man $300 million guaranteed like I've been preaching for, you know, what seems like months now. Because if he's able to come off the, come off the bench after about a month of being out and beat the Bengals, they need to pay that man his money. And then you had the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had the big win uh, Saturday night, and they will face the Chargers. Do we need to air out Staley again? Left Mike Williams in there, had a chance to rest his starters with a game that had nothing on the line. Now, you can get into whether or not resting players means anything long-term, but the fact of the matter is, is that they had a chance to rest their starters and Mike Williams, who is to me the Anthony Davis of the NFL, because as much as we want to talk about street clothes, to Anthony Davis, Mike Williams seems to always be hurt just as much, if not more than Anthony Davis. But Mike Williams goes down again. We don't know how serious it is. 
That remains to be seen, but we know this team has found ways to trick it off even before Staley was coach. But he has specifically been directly responsible. We know what happened last year. That cost him a spot. Did he do something again that will hurt them long term? Did he do something again today that will affect their chances in the playoffs? He stopped them from making the playoffs last year. Did he hamper their chances to advance in the playoffs this year? We shall see. So that is your look at the playoff picture. Let's go ahead and get back into some of these games of what happened. This 4 o'clock window, we normally spend more time on the 4 o'clock window, but since some of these games were kind of anticlimactic into the grand scheme of things, we will speed through these. So we talked about the Seattle Seahawks getting the dub 19-6 in overtime against the Los Angeles Rams. Let's go ahead and slide over to, we'll do 49ers. The 49ers take care of business, Arizona. You know, there's a lot of reports that both Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury could both be on the way out. I think that's a very safe assumption. Jay Glazer had that uh, earlier today, and I think that's probably where that's going to go, or at least it should. Not my call. I'm not Bidwell out there flying planes all over the place, but uh, I think both Steve Kime and Bidwell have done enough to, to, to be gotten about the paint. I think it's time for them. So, uh Let's see how this goes here for the Brock Purdy-led San Francisco 49ers. They got Debo back, and you know how I do it here. I, I like it if you get a lot of targets for your number one receiver. I preach the notion of if you have a number one receiver, that number one receiver should get 10 targets a game no matter what. Debo Samuel looks to be the number one receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. Did he get 10 today? Only got three targets. But it's Brock Purdy. You know, and, and I think that's where you're looking at this team. And again, he looked great today. You had people really jumping out the window when you just look at his stats. You look at three touchdown passes. Wow. You look at a 141 QB rating. Wow. But then you look and it's just, dude, it's Brock Purdy. Like, I'm not going to go crazy here and look at the box score and go, wow, because look at the weapons he's throwing to. When you have a Christian McCaffrey, when you have a Debo Samuel, a Brandon Ayuk, and a George Kittle, yeah, you have potential to put up those kinds of numbers because you're just throwing to playmakers all over the field. So while Brock Purdy has done the job, clearly, he, he has looked better than Trey Lance. He has played better than Jimmy G. So he is the best of what they have left. And he has steadied the ship. And, and, and if anything, he has improved the way they have looked. They have looked the most impressive this year with Brock Purdy at quarterback, and that's something no one would have predicted coming into the season when we had the whole dynamic of, are you going to go with Trey Lance or are you going to go with Jimmy G? And then Shanahan chose to go with Trey Lance, and we thought he was handing him the keys, and then your man's Trey Lance was shaky in the light, didn't look ready. He was not ready. He didn't look the part. So then Jimmy G had to come in there and thank you know, if, if there's any MVP for this team, it's this defense. This DeMarco Ryan-led defense, and hopefully he gets some, not just a token interview, but some actual legitimate interviews this offseason because he has shown the acumen. If Robert Sala, in this same type of scheme for the same franchise, could walk into a job with the New York Jets, then why can't DeMarco Ryan's? Hopefully he gets a, he, he gets a good look because... They look better under Ryans than they did under Salah. And I know that team went to a Super Bowl, but the way this defense has played, to me, 
looks better, more impressive, more dominant than they ever did under Robert Sala. J.J. Watt in his last game goes out with two sacks. If you've been watching the in-season hard knocks, he, he's been playing up to the camera, and today was no different. Uh, but, you know, look, he, he'll be a first battle Hall of Famer, so salute to him. He goes out with two, two sacks in his swan song. Okay, what else do we have here? What games can we get into? We're going to kind of get through this 4 o'clock portion fast. So, Eagles, Giants, we talked about the fact that Jalen Hurts came back. And let's go ahead and just breeze through this. 20 of 35, 229, threw a pick. Uh, the main thing is he found a rhythm. Look, A.J. Brown, 10 targets, number one receiver. Uh, you know, for the Giants, Lawrence Cager, 10 targets, number one receiver. But anyway, so look, this is obviously more about the Eagles and the Giants. I don't think anyone expects uh, the Giants to do anything substantial in this playoff. Uh, the fact that they had, they were tied for the easiest schedule in the whole league is why they made the playoffs because this team is not that talented. Um, and they were just able to beat up who they were supposed to beat up on and survive. So they got enough wins early to be able to survive the back half of the schedule where it got slightly more difficult and they were able to, to secure a playoff spot. So, but the Eagles, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, they both came out unscathed with injuries. Jalen Hurts returns from injuries. Dallas Goddard is back. You know, you have the running backs of Sanders, Gainwell, and Boston Scott. This offense should be a machine, especially once they have that week off to get a rhythm and then sit and wait for whoever they face in the divisional round. So I have no concerns about the Eagles. I may or may not have placed a futures bet in August after the schedule was released on how far the Philadelphia Eagles would go. I'm feeling really smooth about that bet. But, I, again, the defense, Ben, don't break. Not what not it, that would not be my philosophy as a DC, but it's working for them. Um, we'll love to see. I, I want to see Hassan Riddick get unleashed here. I really would love to see that. I think Hassan Riddick getting unleashed would be something magical and could be a real spark on that D line for the Eagles. But they take care of business, they they finished the season 14 and three, the Giants nine seven and one. I thought they had an outside chance of finishing 12-5. Uh, but let's see. So, let's see. We'll go Denver and the Los Angeles Chargers. Russell Wilson found a way. Russell Wilson found a way. Three touchdowns, one pick. Just a shade under 300 yards. Jay Herbo, 37 pass attempts. So, again, your man's Staley gave, didn't give a damn about resting anyone today. 37 attempts for Justin Herbert. You know, uh, Eckler got his, well, he didn't get all the usual touches. He only got 11 carries and he only got four targets in the passing game. That's way under what he normally gets. But Keenan Allen, 11 targets, number one receiver. Uh, this team is a dangerous team. The Los Angeles Chargers are dangerous. This offense comes into your building. And if you believe in the theory of edge pressure, when they're healthy, they could be dangerous. They're more of an opportunistic defense. They're not a defense that will shut you down. But when you have guys like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, even Everett, Everett's been solid. Josh, Joshua Palmer, probably, they were certainly expecting more from him this year. He just hasn't given that to, to them at this point. Uh, but he's a guy that could flash. He's a guy that can make some splash plays and jump up and uh, make a play. And they have enough guys with Jay Herbo standing upright 
he has plenty of weapons to, to dissect your defense. So the Chargers are not going to be an easy out. They take care of, uh, well, no, no, no. Let's, let's, let's slow down. Let's really dissect this here. So at some point in the game, Chase Daniels came in. If you're going to leave your starting QB out there for 37 pass attempts, then why would you even dust off Chase Daniel? Why? Why would you even do that? If you're going to leave Jay Herbo in for 37 pass attempts, why even throw Chase Daniels in there for seven? Somebody explain that to me. Staley's going to... Look, the Chargers are a talented team. They just need the right coach. I still don't know if they had the right coach. And the way that Staley has moved the last two seasons, this year included, I'm still, the jury is still out whether they have the right coach there. Moving along. So now, those were your four o'clock games. Let's get into the games that really, really were impactful. And we have to start with Buffalo. Buffalo with DeMar Hamlin and everything that was going on there and an emotional scene, Naheem Hines returns the kickoff, 96 yards, very emotional, timeline went crazy, viral clips all over the place. Uh, Hamlin was actually tweeting away uh, during that moment, so that was cool to see. So it was a lot going on there. But let's start with the Patriots here because Bill Belichick's got some explaining to do. In a game that mattered, in a, in a game where you had to win to keep your season alive, essentially an elimination game, Mac Jones, three picks. You can tell me about the three, the three touchdowns. Cool, cool story, bro. But three picks, three interceptions. The, the Patriots are really a poverty franchise at this point. This is a poverty franchise, and... The, the offense is direct. The offense is uh, remedial. They, they, they don't do anything dynamic. They don't really have the playmakers to exploit mismatches. It's just a very, very traditional offense. And I don't know how Belichick thinks he's going to pull, uh, pull this off over the next couple of years if he's really going to entrust uh, this offense to Mac Jones. I mean, first of all, he needs to get a real OC in there and not Matt Patricia. I don't know if that was just a one-year experiment. I don't know if he's actually going to go long-term with Matt Patricia. I'm not even against the, the notion of a D.C. becoming an O.C. Because in theory, a D.C. should be able to know what plays to call to work on the defense, just in theory. But in actuality, in, in actual practice and results, Matt Patricia did nothing this entire season to make me think, oh, he's getting the hang of this. Now, you can also question the talent that's there that he has to work with. But still, if you're going to compound the fact that you don't have a lot of talent with a D.C. who's a first-time O.C., then what more can you actually expect? On to the Buffalo Bills. So Josh Allen goes out here, three touchdowns, another pick, and another red zone pick. And let me come off the screen here because I'm going to make sure I have the right information. Uh let me make sure we get the right information here before we just start scrolling and putting stuff up on the screen. Josh Allen, there was a great stat about how many picks he's thrown. It was another red zone pick, I believe, as well. So it's just a lot there with Josh Allen where clearly everyone loves him. Everyone's been forced to uh, walk back their hot takes of whether or not he's legit, whether or not he's a franchise QB, whether or not he's top five or what, what, whatever classifications you want to put him in. But... At some point, we're going to have to talk about his, his propensity 
of turning the ball over. He can throw bombs. He threw another bomb to um, Stephon Diggs today, and he's, he's making sure he's getting Diggs involved. And as long as he does that, they'll be fine. But he still shows the propensity to turn the rock over. And it's dangerous when you talk about a team that has a lot of Super Bowl uh, thoughts, Super Bowl aspirations, and you have your franchise QB, a, a guy that everyone loves, throwing picks in the most important part of the field in the red zone. I think he led the league in picks. Was it 15 picks? Led the league in picks. It's, it's just not, not a good look. And I just want to make sure I pull up the right information here when it comes to Josh Allen and his picks because that was the main thing for me. Uh, make sure here. Just uh, Bear with me here. But the fact of the matter is, obviously, there was a lot on the line. They hit John Brown for a big gainer. The Bills are going to be a dangerous team. Just to me, the only bugaboo is that the, the fact is, is that sometimes Josh Allen still looks like the Josh Allen before Stephon Diggs arrived there. So in essence, he's still a dude that will throw you a pick. And sometimes he will throw you a pick in a big spot. And you can't chalk it up to him being young anymore because he's certainly been entrusted to be all these other things in terms of a franchise QB, a potential MVP, future face of the league. He's been entrusted with all those other things. If he can do that, he can also still, unfortunately, throw you a pick in a big spot in the most important part of the field. So let's see what we have here. Let me share the screen again. You would love to see them run the ball. Stephon Diggs, 10 targets, number one receiver. Gabe Davis, 10 targets, number one receiver. No, no, it's Stephon Diggs. He's him. He'll tell you himself. So how dangerous are these bills? Obviously, everyone will be talking about the storybook story of Naheem Himes taking it to the crib on that opening kickoff. But the more important was the second Naheem Himes kickoff return. That was the one that kind of gave them a two-score possession lead. It kind of put the game out of reach. That's the one that I think will, will be more impactful in the story. But I know the story, the, the movie aspect is that first one, especially with uh, that, um, Hamlin tweeting from his hospital room in, in real time while Naheem Himes is running it back. Like, that was, the whole thing was amazing. Uh, but it, it remains to be seen what this Buffalo, this Buffalo Bills team can be because uh, Von Miller is out. He was supposed to be the closer on defense. If you have one bugaboo outside of Josh Allen throwing a pick in the red zone, which he has shown a constant propensity to do, it does fall on the defensive side of the ball. Can they get enough pressure? Can they get home without blitzing? It's it's they, they were able to get some pressure today. Only one sack, though, but they did get they did hurry Mac Jones a lot, force him into some bad throws, and those bad throws led to three picks. So if they could keep facing Mac Jones in the playoffs, I have no qualms about the Buffalo Bills defense. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. So we'll see what happens there. But the Bills take care of business. Great emotional moment. Great emotional moment with the kickoff returns from Hines, both of them. And uh, the Bills take care of business. And they lock up that, that two seed. And if the Bills and the Chiefs eventually face in the AFC championship game, it'll be at a neutral site. So that's what the aftermath of the uh, cancellation of the Bills-Bengals game from Monday night. Interesting to see how that goes there. So with the Patriots... Falling by the wayside, that opened the door for what we mentioned earlier. The Miami Dolphins were able to slide their way in there to the playoffs. 
Did, do they deserve it? I'm going to go ahead and say no, but if Tua comes back and he's less concussed, because I don't know if he's actually fully healthy, if he's just less concussed uh, than, than a few weeks ago, then you have to give this team a chance. You have to give this team a chance. They have too many weapons to not give them a chance on offense. The defense, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give the, the Miami Dolphins defense today for stopping Joe Flacco. Okay, you're, you're not going to get that from me. Um, but when you can have, you know, Wilson, Jeff Wilson Jr. and Raheem Mostert run for a buck 40, you know, combined, and then, you know, Waddle and Tariq Hill, they weren't that great today. But again, their QB was Skylar Thompson. So, but again, here's the thing with um, Mike McDaniels. He comes from the Shanahan tree. A lot was made about how he was going to come in here and bring his running backs, and it was going to be the same zone running scheme and all of that stuff. No one runs the ball less than the Miami Dolphins. Now, is that predicated off of them having Tua, Tugavailoa, and the weapons he has with Tariq Hill, Jalen Waddle? Or is it the fact that that scheme doesn't work here? Or maybe that scheme doesn't work with the running backs he has. Because remember, he had Chase Edmonds. They had to get him about the paint. And then he went out there and got Jeff Wilson Jr. to pair him with Raheem Mostert. And then the running game looked better, but still nowhere near what we thought we were going to get from someone that came from the Shanahan tree. With Tua Tunga-Vailoa, is this Miami Dolphins team something to be, to be I won't say fearful, because they're, they have shown some clear flaws, right? The defense isn't as good, especially no Brian Flores. You know, and, and they've they've clearly have focused more on the offensive side of the ball, even though they went out there to trade deadline and got Bradley Chubb. You know, they, they have some players. Well, Wilkins is, is, is a stud on that D-line. Let's be clear, okay? He's a monster. Christian Wilkins is a stud on that D-line. Sadly, I think he's the only dude there. Javon Holland is okay, but, I mean, I think it's Wilkins and, and a bunch of dudes at this point. Xavier Howard doesn't look to be healthy. Some would say he hasn't been healthy the entire year or he's battled through a lot of things. You know, so that Miami's Dolphins defense, which was once a strength over the last few years, is now clearly playing second fiddle to, to the Miami Dolphins offense. Do you fear them? Because right now they're playing Buffalo. Can they go into Buffalo and get a dub? With Tua, clearly. Because, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how that looks. And let's see if there was a couple of plays here I wanted to show. I, I, won't, I won't do that right now. Um, but in terms of what can we expect here from the Miami Dolphins with Tua, obviously no Tua, no chance. But can this team go into Buffalo, assuming it's bad weather, and get a dub? Can they steal one? Answer's most likely no. But I think that's something to watch for as, as we get information on will Tua even play? How will that look? And if Tua does play, are we putting someone out there who's still concussed? Three concussions in a matter of a few months? Are the Miami Dolphins doing a disservice to Tua Tungavailoa by putting him out there? You know he wants to play, even though he was the one that had to tell the team, hey, I think I have a concussion. Okay? You would think that Miami Dolphins would, would be more aware of Tua Tungavailoa as having, you know, concussion, concussion symptoms, especially since he had two prior in the year. Be that as it may, it took Tua Tungavailoa having the self-awareness to, you know, put himself or report the symptoms, at least, to the team to where he couldn't remember plays. He couldn't remember plays that happened in games 
and they had to re-diagnose him as having a concussion. So that will be interesting to see if we do get Tua, what type of Tua do we get? And, you know, if we do get Tua and he's, he's, and he's okay, is that enough on the road against Buffalo in that environment? Knowing that they're going to have all the DeMar Hamlin stuff all over that place like they did today, that's going to be the, the momentum thing. That's going to be the storybook thing for this Bills playoff run. They now have a singular focus. It's bigger than just let's get to the Super Bowl, right? Clearly, with how the, everyone is embracing DeMar as they should. Like, it's, it's about it's showing that this is bigger than just winning a game, winning a championship. It's about embracing the brotherhood and doing it for your brother. And I don't know if Tua Tungavailoa, if he's not 100%, uh, even if he is 100%, I don't know if he has enough with him to be able to overcome that. Let's move along. These, these, these one, one o'clock games are going to be flying by too because it's really just only about the playoffs at this point. We'll only focus on games that have actual playoff implications. Steelers take care of business. The Steelers, for a brief moment, looked like they were still going to be alive. But with the Patriots uh, losing and then the Dolphins winning, that kind of that put the kibosh on the Pittsburgh Steelers being able to be in playoff position, or to be able to qualify for the playoffs. Panther Saints, once the, the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, clinched the division that pretty much eliminated those two teams' chances of being able to backdoor their way into the playoffs. Houston Texans, Indianapolis Colts. Lovey Smith. His biggest win for the Chicago Bears franchise was today. Lovey Smith, the biggest win of his Chicago Bears tenure was today. He took the Texans into Indianapolis against a Jeff Saturday team that is clearly reeling. And Jeff Saturday looks exposed. He had that one win against McDaniels in Las Vegas, and it's been scary hours ever since for your man's Jeff Saturday. So Lovey Smith goes in there with a undermanned team, with a uh, what man's Mills, right? Mills is still the QB over there. Yeah, Davis Mills still at QB, and they find a way to steal a win and trick off a number one seed. Lovey could be fired tomorrow, but he gift wrapped the number one pick for his former team, the Chicago Bears, the team in full transparency the former team of my youth. He gave the Chicago Bears the biggest win of his entire coaching tenure today, years after he was fired by that same organization. Amazing story. Do you fault the Houston Texans? Apparently there was a meeting with the uh, the front office ownership in Lovey. I don't know if they told him, look, you're getting fired anyway, so play this game however you want. We'll deal with the aftermath. Because clearly if the Texans get the number one pick, is it automatically going to take a QB? Whereas even if they lose and the Bears get the number one pick, the Bears are not taking the QB. Now they could always trade down to a team that might want to take a QB. But if you're just playing the straight odds, if you're the Texans of, well, if we lose, the Bears get the pick, but the Bears are most likely, if they keep the pick, are not going to take a QB. So in theory, we could still get the QB who we want at two as long as no one trades with the Bears. So is it really that big of a deal of Lovey bucking the system and getting his Houston Texans team 
even though he may be fired as soon as tomorrow morning. Does that make a big deal? Was that a big deal today of the Texans tricking off the first pick? And is it really tricking off the first pick if the Bears hold on to the pick and don't take a QB and then the Texans still get the QB that they want at two? Don't know. Don't know. Leave, leave it in the comments. Whether you're catching this live or on the replay, let me know. Did the Houston Texans do a disservice to their franchise by winning a game that most would tell them they should not go out and try and win? And the Colts, what they lost, they've lost a whole bunch in a row. Let me come off the screen here and look this up, see if I can confirm this. This might be, this should be easier to locate than the Josh Allen stuff. I think they've lost seven in a row. Let me just make sure. I don't want to put too much dirt on Jeff Saturday's name, but I mean, all that talk, all that hype and that bluster of um, your man's Jeff Saturday when he got that win that win against Las Vegas in his debut is all gone now. Yes, let's go ahead and pull this up. It is confirmed. There it is. Jeff Saturday now lost seven games in a row as coach of the Indianapolis coach, uh, the Colts. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So, that was a game. That was a game that had a lot of implications, but had nothing to do with the playoffs, but it had draft status implications as the Chicago Bears, who did what they were supposed to do today in losing to the Minnesota Vikings. So the Bears took care of business on their end by putting out there a mid-team. Nathan Peterman got the start, and he even had to take out Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman is not only still getting starts in this league, but he's still so Nathan Peterman that he's getting benched by a team that is trying to lose. That's how bad Nathan Peterman is. Ugh. How does he keep getting jobs? I know he looks the part, clearly. But why? Why does he keep... Uh, it's just whatever. Whatever. I, I don't get it. I mean, I get it. I know why. But I'm just saying, if you actually care about the, the backup quarterback position being someone who could come in and actually win you games... Why on earth would you ever entrust that position to Nathan Peterman? <sighs> Just, ugh. All right, so Cincinnati, Baltimore. No Lamar, so there's nothing for us to really make judgment on when it comes to Baltimore. And, and that's why this the, the Baltimore thing is hard to figure out. We don't know what's up with Lamar. What is up with Lamar Jackson? I mean, you know, well, where was J.K. Dobbins today? They're holding him out. So they held out Lamar and J.K. Sammy Watkins had a big fumble as they were trying to get back into the game late. Uh, look, man, I, the best they can do is Deshaun Jackson and Sammy Watkins in surrounding Lamar Jackson with help. Ravens are running this like, like it's a poverty franchise. And the problem is, in the fact, the funny thing is it's not a poverty franchise. But the way that they are trying to treat Lamar Jackson and surrounding him with a bunch of mid, and that's why when the QB is less, when it was whether it's Huntley or today Anthony Brown, they can't do anything with this offense. This offense is only tailor-made for a superhuman effort from the QB position to be able to score points. And even sometimes even he has trouble with the lack of weapons. So it's like if you need a, su a superman to run this offense, 
once he goes bye-bye, there's no way you have a, a clipboard holding QB backing them up that's also Superman. Doesn't work that way. So they go from having Lamar Jackson, who is a, a MVP in this league, to a bunch of dudes who look like him, who can sometimes do RPOs like him, but who aren't him. The margin of error is so small because of the lack of talent they surround Lamar Jackson with that when he does go out, that margin of error now becomes gigantic. It becomes huge because these guys are nowhere near Lamar. So how can we judge this team? We can't judge this team. I don't, I don't know what we're getting from, from the Baltimore Ravens. They just refuse to give uh, Lamar Jackson help, but Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's, let's, let's calm down. Let me, let me catch myself. I always get worked up about Lamar because I feel like they're just wasting his, his years. They're wasting his prime years. He's not going to be running around like this in his 30s. You have him in his early to mid-20s. Pay him and then surround him with help. Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals. Dangerous team. And clearly things break right when it comes to the playoff matchup because now they get Lamar. Or if they don't get Lamar, they get the same dudes they just beat up on today. And if you're Cincinnati, you have to feel extremely confident about your chances. You can't really worry about anything else because you just have to beat maybe Huntley or Anthony Brown. And if that's all you got, then that's a dub. That's a dub. You don't even need Mixon and, and Samaji P. Ryan to go crazy. You don't even need them. Jamar Chase, 13 targets. Number one receiver? Isaiah likely 13 targets. Number one receiver? Stop it. <laughs> stop it, stop it, stop it. When Lamar comes back, you know Isaiah likely is not getting no 13 targets. No Mark Andrews today. Mark Andrews gets those 13 targets. So we know how that goes. All right. Moving along. Let's see. I mean, Atlanta, Tampa Bay, I don't really need to get into that. I mean, the Tampa Bay took care of business last week, so they can take their foot off the gas this week. So I'm not, I'm not going to go too crazy over that. So let's go ahead and let's see what we have so far. Sunday night game has not officially kicked off yet. Okay, so nothing there. So let's go ahead and dissect these matchups a little bit more. Now that we have that that out the way, some games we're not we're not going to go too crazy about. But what do you see here in regards to these matchups? Who has an easy path outside of the teams that you would expect? Like clearly the number one seeds have a bye week, so they have easier paths. But out of Let's say from a four seed down, is there anyone in either conference that you have confidence in? Do you have any confidence in Jacksonville? Jacksonville gets a home game. They get the Chargers coming in, unsure of the status of Mike Williams. Staley can trick things off. Can Jacksonville do something? Can they make it to the divisional round? And if it's not them, is it the Chargers at the five seed? Is the winner of Jacksonville Chargers, do you like their chances against the Bengals? Assuming no Lamar, or even if Lamar plays for Baltimore, a hampered Lamar or a rusty Lamar, and the Bengals 
make quick work of them. Do you give any chance for Jacksonville or the Chargers to do anything against the Bengals? Do the Bengals have a cakewalk to the AFC Championship? Probably not because if, if things break right, then you get, let's see, you get Buffalo down here, right? So you get Buffalo down here. They'll play the winner of, they'll play the highest seed left, right? So in theory, they would play Cincinnati. So Cincinnati will play Buffalo. And then Kansas City will play the winner of the 4-5, right? So okay, so let's, let, let's, let's get this straight. Now, the way they have it laid out here on Yahoo, they're making it think they're connecting the brackets, but they're forgetting that they're reseeding. Okay, so Kansas City will play the highest seed left. Lowest seed, excuse me. Lowest seed left, right? Then you have Buffalo, assuming they beat Miami, they're at the bottom part of the bracket here. They would take on the highest seed, which in all likelihood would be Cincinnati. So Buffalo, Cincinnati, Kansas City versus Jacksonville or the Chargers. Do you give Kansas City, do you give the Chargers or the Jaguars a chance against Kansas City? Let's clean that up. So we clean that up. So it would be KC versus the winner, like the likely winner of Jacksonville and the Chargers. Those two teams have offenses where if they're clicking, they can score with the Chiefs. Neither one of them have defenses that can stop the Chiefs, but both have offenses that can keep up with the Chiefs. And I think the Chiefs have have played both of those teams. Let's see, they've played Jacksonville and the Chargers. They beat the Chargers 27-24. And they beat the Jaguars 27-17. They beat the Chargers twice. So they swept the Chargers twice, closed games, only a field goal decided both games. And then they beat Jacksonville by 10 in early November. So in theory, the Chiefs will feel confident, but those teams able to put up points. I mean, the Chargers put up 27-24, and and then Jacksonville put up 17. I'm a little curious. Did Etienne play in this game? Etienne did play. Okay. So the Jaguars were more or less, at least from a box score standpoint, more or less at full strength. Okay. So the Jaguars only put up 17. That That's something to watch. Now that was on the road, and this game would also be on the road. So interesting there. We'll see how that goes. I would think that the Jaguars will be able to score more than 17. We'll just have to wait and see with that, right? So, okay. So, we have that figured out. So, KC against the winner of Jacksonville Chargers. Buffalo against the winner of Cincinnati Baltimore. If things break out in terms of seating. If everything goes chalk. And in the NFC, you have San Fran down here at the bottom. So, we'll have Philly. Interesting. So, you know what? This is going to be very, very weird. Philly will get the winner of Tampa Bay-Dallas. If you're Philly, who do you want? You're confident against both. So, that's not what I'm asking. But who do you want? Do you want Tampa? 
Do you want Tom Brady to walk into your building or do you want Dak? Do you want Tom Brady walking into your building or Dak Prescott walking into your building? And then San Francisco, assuming they take care of business, whether it's Green Bay or Seattle. Minnesota, San Francisco versus Minnesota. What does that look like? What does that look like? That will be interesting. I think there's a, I think there's more of a chance of upsets in the NFC as opposed to the AFC. Now that I have this bracket figured out in my head, as opposed to how it's laid out here on this website. I think there's more of a chance of a upset in the NFC from either, especially if Green Bay gets in. There's a scenario where Green Bay could beat the 49ers. And then if that help, if that happens, then all hell breaks loose in the NFC playoffs. Because then no one wants to play the Packers. But if it's Seattle, if the Packers trick it off tonight and lose to the Lions at home with a chance to win and get in, and it's the Seahawks, then, yeah, I think you get, you pretty much get chalk. Where I think no matter who it is between Tampa Bay and Dallas, I think Philly beats them. And then San Francisco, Minnesota, I'm going to give the edge to San Francisco. And then you have Philly versus San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. That will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if it does if it does go to be chalk. Seattle hangs on to that spot. Green Bay loses tonight. Seattle hangs on to that spot. Quick work. The fun part is if Green Bay gets in. So do we want fun or do we want chalk? I think we want fun. I want fun. I want chaos. Chaos equals the Green Bay Packers getting in here at the seventh seed and then potentially beating the San Francisco 49ers. They do that. Now it's, let's see, Philly, Green Bay, Minnesota, Versus the winner of Tampa Bay, Dallas. I like that. That's more of a fun divisional round than, you know, the 49ers versus the, the, the Vikings and then Philly against Tampa Bay or Dallas. That I, I like the green. We need Green Bay in. Let, let's get the, to the long and the short of it. We need Green Bay in. I don't want to hold up too much more of your time because – Tonight is an important game on Sunday Night Football because the Green Bay Packers have a chance to win tonight and to secure the last remaining playoff spot. So let's see what happens tonight with the Green Bay Packers. Do they beat the, G- the Detroit Lions? Have nothing to play for now. They are eliminated. Only thing they can do now is play spoiler. And if you're if you're down with Dan Campbell, the Detroit Lions head coach, he's on that type of time of being a, a spoiler. So they still may play all their players. They still may play to the fullest extent. They, they, I definitely don't see them laying down for the Packers, so that that will be one to watch. Green Bay, Detroit, Sunday Night Football. So let me not waste any more time. Let me wrap this up and get up out of here so we can figure out who the hell is going to be the seventh seed, whether it's going to be the Seattle Seahawks, who are there right now currently, or will it be the Green Bay Packers who have a chance to win and get in? So let me move off here to screen. I am the CMD. This is what I do here. I recap all the action from the 1 o'clock and the 4 o'clock games. This will continue on to the playoffs through the Super Bowl. So after the end of the playoffs, each weekend, after each round, 
I'm going to be here recapping what we saw, dissecting what's going to happen in the next round, so on and so forth. So if you haven't already, subscribe. If you haven't already, whether you're watching this live on the replay, hit that like button. And there is a donation link there too. Show some, show some support. And uh, look, I do this here all the time and I put up all types of content, whether it's NFL, NBA, uh, MLB. I'm going to be having some videos working with ChatGPT over the next couple of weeks here. A nice series I'm doing with AI Decide. So uh, I try to give sports content from a different perspective. I like to merge the world of technology and sports and talk about how the two relate. So if you're into that type of content, hit the subscribe button. And for the Sam D, this is the football kickback. I'll holler at you after the wild card weekend. Peace.